You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. This year, Mash Those Buttons is proud to announce that we will have three shows participating in World of Podcasts at Con Before the Storm presented by Medieval Times. First, Nick from WoW Talk and the Torn and the Goblin will join Medros from All Things Azeroth, Eliandros from Dungeon Fables, Frasley from the Frazzlecast, Tosh Mifune from the Half-Hill Report, Berserker from Unshackled Fury, and Stone from WoW Challenges to talk about what we can expect for Warcraft this year on Pod Before the Con Warcraft on October 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Then, at Con Before the Storm, Katie from The Torn and the Goblin will be joining Ben from Azeroth Roundtable, Josh from Countdown to Classic, Jocelyn from Four Azeroth, Shoe Boots from Merely a Setback, Rob from The Training Dummies, and Frosty from The Worgen's Howl for the Warcraft panel. Also, Blaze and Bob from Watchpoint Radio will be on the Overwatch panel with Icy from Enter the Iris, Blevins from the High Noon podcast, Rob from the Omnic Lab, Andres from the Owl Recap, and Totemly Drunk from the Overwatch League Network. Both those panels will be live at Con Before the Storm on November 1st. Check out conbeforestorm.com for more information. We look forward to you joining us. Welcome to the very first Watchpoint Radio community episode. Uh, really happy to start getting these out. We've been planning this for some time, or at least planning to get started for some time, and now we're finally rolling out the episodes, and hopefully we can keep these going on a regular basis. Uh, episodes one and two will be pretty close together, and hopefully we can get at least one episode out every month. Uh, basically, the, if you don't listen to Watchpoint Radio, which I'd be surprised if you're listening to this and don't listen to Watchpoint Radio. But anyway, if you don't listen to Watchpoint Radio, the goal of these episodes is to showcase community members directly. We, you know, the community, the Overwatch community has stuff to say. And so we wanted to give them a platform to come on to the show and you know, talk about whatever topic they want to talk about. And, you know, we go back and forth with them. And that's exactly what's going to happen on this show. You're not going to hear too much from me or from Bob or from Kinder. Well, you're going to hear from us, but the star of these shows are the community members. So first of all, I'd like to give a huge thank you to the community members that reached out to us when we said this is something that we wanted to do. You know, they, they took the time to schedule with us so they can come on the show and, you know, they brought topics to us. We didn't prompt them for topics. They brought topics to us. And uh, yeah, they, they did. I think that everybody here did a great job. We recorded the first four community episodes around the same time, so that's why episodes one and two were going to come out close together. I didn't want to leave a big gap between those episodes since they were so you know they were recorded so close together and they were, in my opinion, very good. So without further ado, let's get into our first community member. Uh, his name is Finn Flood. If you are in the Watchpoint Radio Discord, you probably know who he is, especially if you play on PS4. He is one of I would say the community leaders we have 
for the for the group that plays on PS4, him and uh, Death Squad OG organize game nights for PS4. So, like I said, he, he you may be familiar with Finn Flood, or as I call him, Effin' Flood for some reason, wrong all the time. That's not how you say it. It's Finn Flood. But he wanted to come on to the show and talk about his journey from Xbox to PC and then back to console, but a different console. Back to, He plays primarily on PS4. So, you know, that, that says something, because most of the time when people go from console to PC, they stick on PC, but not Finn Flood. So, without further ado, here we go. This is my kind of city. Lights, camera, action! Okay, we are here with community member F and Flood. I did get that correct, right? It's F and Flood? Uh, you did not, actually. Oh, no? <laughs> Oof. No, it's, uh, oh, it's Finn Flood. It is Finn, Finn Flood. Flood. Uh, oh, but I've been letting right. it slide because I appreciate F and Flood as, as, as well. It's, it's <laughs> you, know, you, Flood, so. you actually <laughs> corrected us on stream. <laughs> And I was like, oh, right. It's not Finn Flood. It's Evan Flood. I just remembered it backwards. So go me. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah, so we are here with Finn Flood. Now I remember, I just embarrassed myself. I'm going to keep it in the podcast. I'm going to etch it in podcast history. Uh, yeah. To get it that, correct. That squad and I usually get a, a good chuckle anytime it's, it's said Evan Flood. So yeah. <laughs> you've done well. You've done well. I, I, I feel like if we're angry with you, it could be Evan Flood. Yes, that, that works as well. <laughs> yeah, so you are here to talk about, well, I guess the, the, the different platforms because you are uh, you're hitting the trifecta. You play on Xbox, you play on PlayStation 4, and you play on PC. Correct. All right, so let's hear it. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, so I started, I want to say, around Season 3 or maybe 4. Uh, I bought a game for my son. And... Uh, you know, I was watching him play. I'm like, dude, what what the hell is this game? Like, how do you pay any attention to what's going on? It's so fast. And I'd always played like all the all the Call of Duties and stuff and um, old school Quake gamer on PC and um, represent. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, I, I kind of played with him just just a little bit here and there and generally was like, I can't keep up with this. I'm too old. Uh, my eyes don't understand how fast everything's happening. And then uh, I found Bastion and just started playing him. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> oh, this guy's a little more my style because historically I've uh, done kind of the camper situation. Lots of sniping and stuff. Oh, so you were a quick camper. You filthy dog. I know. I know. Filthy camper. Oh, but you know what? I didn't mattered. die. I might have had only two kills, but I did not die. Um. <laughs> So I found that and I was like, all right, I'm going to get good with this guy and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Cause I like robots, you know, it's kind of camper style a little bit, you know, and then I was just getting my ass handed to me no matter what I did. I was like, all right, maybe this isn't my dude. I've got all these other people to choose from. Then I found diva. I was like, oh, I'm home. I love this game. <laughs> Started playing the hell out of diva. And then I got to like, feel like I'm doing something wrong. Started playing uh, competitive, watching some videos, you know, this is how you do these things and found the, uh, the podcast and started paying attention to that. And just gradually over time, it's like, man, I'm like gold here in comp. I feel like I can do better. I've got a PC. I'm going to PC. Everyone says this is where the game is real, right? So I get over there. That's fine. Uh, it's, 
the transition wasn't bad for me. It took a little bit, um, a little bit of kind of muscle memory shift, right? So the yeah. the ability to turn so fast just blew me away. I was like, holy crap! Like this is this is a whole <laughs> well, new game and, right now. Well, and PC starts you at fifteen. So if you're running at like sixteen hundred DPI. <clears throat> You move like you could literally do four rotations with just the flick of your wrist. Yeah, I know yeah. it's ridiculous. It was I don't know why <laughs> their their sensitivity is just they're so new to first high. person shooters. That's all I, I gotta guess. say. Like I keep mine at like two point five or something like that, and it's, it's still almost too high sometimes. But I mean, was it easier for you because you had played PC games in the past? I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think if you've never, especially a first-person shooter, right? Um, if you've never done that style of game, I think it would be very, I don't want to say difficult, right? But the the learning curve in general is just longer. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was fairly easy. I didn't, uh, you know, I've, I've been playing PUBG and stuff like that. So it wasn't completely new, right? But having gone from one to the other, you know, it's kind of like, when I traded in my WRX for a uh, Jetta Sport Wagon, I was like, I can't, can't drive this the same way uh, I drove that car. So, And it's hard to go back in those situations, but you still do go back and play console, even though you play PC now, right? I do, yeah. So the experience between the, the, the three systems, I think, is very different. Um, so I started on Xbox, hopped over to PC, and most of the people that I play with on PC, they're not interested in comp. You know, they just want to drink their whiskey and mess around in quick play or arcade, which is fine. You know, that's <laughs> it's not a bad time, uh, but I want to do comp. Right. And that's kind of the running joke is like, I'll, I'll hop in their discord and be like, all right, let's play comp. And they all laugh at me. And then they go play <laughs> Grand Theft Auto or something I'm like. Cool, <laughs> um, and then LFG came around and I was like, all right, cool. Well, actually, let me rewind a little bit there. I got a bunch of people at work to get uh, Overwatch, and they all had PS4s. So I was like, I'll tell you what, guys. I'll buy it for PS4 if you buy it for, for PS4. I ended up buying, like, two people Overwatch. Just <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, you know, PS4 is where I do most of my playing because that's where the people are. Um, we've, got a, we've got a little team going. We call ourselves Cascadia Complex. Um, and, you know, we're doing pretty well together. It's, it's, I kind of echo what, what Bob has always said, like playing as a six stack is completely different than a solo queue. And it's, it's a lot more fun. Um, so I've really been enjoying that. I just don't have that experience on uh, PC. I, I think the game's a little smoother there. I think generally people tend to take it a little more serious on PC, but I find that that also comes with additional toxicity. Um, oh yeah. And the Xbox Sometimes. is just a strange spot, right? So if I were to compare the Xbox and the PS4, I would say the Xbox is for kids and the PS4 is for adults. And that's pretty here. general, right? And that <laughs> might piss some people off. But if you're using a mic on Xbox, the person that you're going to encounter is probably younger than me. And on PS4, I, I find that it tends to be a little older. And uh, LFG, in general, I find to be far superior on the PlayStation. 
I can hop on the PlayStation <clears throat> right now in LFG and get a group and comp all mics, generally all mature people. Um, I can't do that on, on PC. I can set my filter, hit refresh, and I'll wait. I'll create a group and I'll wait for 10, 20 minutes before I get six people. So that's, you know, it's it's all very different, but I enjoy PS4 the most at the moment. I mean, I wonder if that be a very broad statement, but I wonder if that goes back to, you know, older gamers or just maybe a little bit uh, are not diehard. What's uh, uh loyal they're like loyal to the playstation so they've all got playstations whereas the xbox a lot of kids grew up with that but i mean it would have been it'd be kids that are in their 20s right now yeah i'd say it's all go comes down to price parents want to get their kids a game system the xbox is cheaper right now we're getting an xbox like in my experience that's how it's always been the cheaper console has the more I thought they're the players same on it i thought they're both 300 so. bucks I thought the PS4 think, was still more expensive. I is think it? they're they're on the same price. The Xbox has typically always been a bit more expensive. The uh, new because Xbox because they had to have the Xbox. Well, no, just just X, the Xbox One simply because it was a hundred dollars more expensive on a launch. <laughs> you know, so for them to come down to four hundred dollars was a price dip for them. Um, but yeah, it's a little surprising, mainly because the Sony has vastly outsold you know, Microsoft on the Xbox. So you would expect for there to be a larger range of people on the PS4 in general. And that include, that would include uh, more, um, you know, squeakers pretty much. That's what, that, that's what I would expect, but you're saying that's not the case. In, nope. in my experience, it's, it's been the opposite. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I think they're both kind of culty, right? Like the, the PS4 people are diehard PS4 for life kind of folk. And the Xbox are kind of the same way for that. And then you've got the Master Race shit for, for PC. They're all kind of culty in their own way. But it's been uh, my experience that the PS4 community tends to be a little more serious. Right. I, I think the gamers there, as far as the competitive scene goes, tend to use the the PS4 for that kind of play and where the Xbox feels a little more casual to me. Um, well, the thing about the PS4, like if you talk, if we're, we're going to talk about just between consoles, between the PS4 and the Xbox, the PS4 definitely has more of a competitive scene in general. Yeah. Um, you talking about, you know, like, you know, uh, from like, and I think that, that general, and that generally has to do with the fact that it sold way more units out the gate. Uh, the Xbox has been doing an okay job, you know, catching up. But for the most part, they have, like it. And, and I mean, if you look to the latest E3 presentation from Microsoft and a couple of things they've been saying over the last year, they already know that they're, that, you know, this generation is lost and they're moving in. They're they're preparing for the future. Uh, the Xbox the people I know who have Xboxes, and of course, that includes myself, are generally more of Xbox loyalists. I mean, I have an Xbox because I was like, mm, I got. I got 400 bucks. Fuck it. Like, like I'll go ahead and get an Xbox. That's how I, I ended up getting an Xbox one day. Now, I I d didn't get the Xbox because I'm a loyalist. I got the Xbox just because everything synced up with Windows, like with 
Windows 10 and like they talked about with the Xbox first, uh, the one first came out, they talked about how there'd be the games that are on that you buy and you get it for PC and Xbox took a long ass time to happen, but now that's finally happening. And it, that's a really cool feature too, that Sony doesn't have. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, but, I mean you make a good point though. Like your people are going to play where their friends play. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's probably one of the reasons why destiny right now, or destiny two, I should say, is still probably most popular on the PS4. And, uh, from what I've been hearing, Bungie is really trying to not push people, you know, to PC, but really trying to make PC more enticing. But still, tons of people play mm-hmm. on the PS4. PS4 gets exclusive for everybody else. But that's that's where people and their their friends play. So that makes a huge difference. Like even if you don't like the platform as much, you're still going to end up playing in those spaces because that's where your friends are. You know. Um, but you said you like. Um, did you did you move, you moved from Xbox to PS4 first, and then you came to PC after that? No, it was it was uh, Xbox PC because I was like, screw this, I want to play the game for real. And then kind of just played it by myself, and solo queue sucks, you know. Um, it sucked real bad before LFG. Now that that's there, it's it, it's not so bad. But you know, again, like like finding a group there is <clears throat> is pretty difficult. Uh, and then I went to PS4. So I almost never play on Xbox anymore. Sorry for my Xbox friends out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's probably pretty even that I play. Well, probably 75% of the time is PS4 and the other 25 is going to be PC for me right now. Yeah, I, mean, I got to be honest. Like when I do play on a console, I prefer to play on Xbox mainly because of the controller. The controls mm, feel see. way better on the Xbox to me. And then again, I like recently I've only usually been playing with listeners. Like when I got when I hop on or if I have my Xbox turned on, I'll see a listener on and you know, we'll hop on and we'll play. Um but generally speaking, yeah, but like from a controller perspective, I prefer the Xbox. That's the only reason I would prefer out of, out of those two. I don't I at this point I don't <laughs> play it enough on either console to really have an opinion on the console community of um like in general you know of of how how those 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 communities generally work i do know that more of our xbox community members for wpr still play overwatch where a lot of our ps4 community members went to go play other games like fortnite and uh cod and stuff like that so but uh, you know what uh, you have on PC right now? What your is? You, do you have an account in gold or silver? I can't remember the last time you played. Uh, I have one in bronze. Uh, on my way out, I think, thanks to Kinder yeah. Sage uh, Torb advice, and uh, <laughs> uh, and the other one's high silver at the moment. I'm almost back in gold, but I, I've almost been plat a couple of times. Um, I just you know. I get on these losing streaks, and then I'm like, "All right, fuck this, I'm going back." I, I, I tell people all the time, "Man, gold is quicksand. Gold, it's is, nasty. It's nuts, man. Like it's nuts. Like I, know, I that's a it's not time. as bad as bronze, I had some though. Good times soloing in gold last night's DPS. Yeah, last <laughs> it was a pretty night. Good time. Wait till you catch a losing streak, and like you end I, up like in low gold. <laughs> I did catch a pretty big uh, losing streak at the end there. I I started out real good, and then it went real bad. Like the opposite yeah. of how it started. 
Right. Like it's weird because like if you're like in high plat, I generally find that once you hit a certain area of platinum, you're going to start winning more because your skill is going to outweigh and you'll be able to, you know, uh, carry a bit more. But when it comes to gold, it's like, no, it doesn't make a difference, man. Like sometimes like you just like when you get caught in that gold trap, it just sucks you in. It's things that you would never imagine. Like, okay, like this person is playing Doomfist into Doomfist counters this person's playing ryan and the ryan counters and they won't get off or, <laughs> you know? or like They're last uh, like last night i had a 4k with genji and there were still four people on my side still left i died so it was two verse four and i i i'm coming back and they all die like yep i mean it's nuts and i mean i just killed them so it wasn't like they came back no one got rezzed just two people killed four of them. Yeah. And I know on PC used to be, you know, if you grouped with two or three people who had the skill, you could help somebody move out of silver and through gold and even out of gold. I got to be honest. Um, you know, I'm playing the best Overwatch I've ever played in terms of my skill. And it feels harder to do that at this point. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with... Um, uh community attitude like people like just don't listen at all anymore before at least i got on a microphone and you can show some you know competency in something and help lead the team they will kind of listen to a, a little bit and help out or maybe you can even just help enable somebody to be there you know better than they were like help the dps by going zenyatta or something like that yeah and or just those, go to uh, tank that actually hits w yeah i think that hits w and those tactics don't tend to be uh working so much do you hit i guess i don't want to ask you hit the same type of roadblocks on console or do you see something different i think for the most part they're the same um every once in a while i i kind of notice that the meta is slightly different um like if i hop on uh pc i'll see a lot more sombra for example um and I'm roughly the same rank. I'm uh, high silver at the moment um, on PS4. So, like, rank-wise, they tend to be about the same. Um, I do see that the meta is mostly the same. Um, there's a little more variation. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, tanks still don't go forward. Uh, Ryans still don't <laughs> hold their shield up ever or swing their hammer if, if they're not I don't, I don't know what they're doing man um shield a lot to of them swing at that point shield here and there <laughs> like there's <laughs> a good rule of thumb you should be shielding whether using special moves but yeah but if there's nobody behind you you should probably do something different <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's kind of one of the major problems especially with bronze i find is that like i know i'm in bronze I, and I know it sucks down there, but I don't think other people care, right? Like I care. I want to get out of bronze. <laughs> I don't think anybody else that's in bronze cares that they're in bronze, right? So they're treating it like quick play as far as I'm concerned. I'm in there. Hey, guys, stand behind my shield when I hold it up. Heal me when I go forward, when I swing my hammer or, you know, depending on what I'm doing or if I'm Zen, right? Like shoot, shoot the thing with a purple ball. You know, and they're like, I'm going to go play in the corner with May and die. Like, come on, stop it. <laughs> so 
yeah, it's just a strange. The bronze is even stranger than gold, Jaw. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's very different. At least in gold, I, I feel like people are are kind of trying. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm in gold. I'm a pretty good player, average. You know, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to listen. But they have kind of the same goal, right? We need to get the payload moving. In bronze, it's like. I'm here to shoot somebody in the face for 10 minutes and then I'm going to leave and I don't care what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to beat Chuck Rat stand right in the middle exactly. of the point by myself. Yeah. Uh, lots of DPS Moiras that get really obsessed with how many eliminations they have, which, uh, you know, I've died eight times because nobody's healing me kind of thing. Oh, but you've got 40 eliminations. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for playing support. <laughs> Starting to get tilted just thinking about it. Moira. Yeah. <laughs> hard, man. Moira's like, why am I gold heals and gold damage? Because everybody else dies and they wait to kill you last, you jerk. Uh, Kendra, you had something? Yeah, I saw you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't mean to hijack the, the interview or anything from you, but uh, I was just going to ask, uh, is there anything that you would like to see on console uh, that you would like to see the developers do on console that they do for PC, like in particular that you can think of? I don't think so. I, I think they do a pretty good job of keeping them all the same. I know uh, you guys were just talking about that too, right? Like um, Blizzard kind of neglects console, but I don't see it really. I mean, if they would give me the ability to turn faster, I would appreciate that. Um, aside from going keyboard and mouse, which by the way, I don't think they'll do. Um, I, I would like to see crossplay between Xbox and PS4. I don't necessarily think it needs to stretch to PC as well, but if the two consoles could could play together, that'd be cool. Um, that's a Sony problem, though. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't really, I never play Torbon console, so I don't notice any of that. Right? Uh, the fair changes that are coming, you know, people are saying, "Oh, it's going to be so much different on console." I, I honestly. I'm kind of excited for them. I don't think it's going to be the headache that everyone thinks it's going to be. Hmm. So, I, I mean, unless you can give me an example of uh, a thing that's on PC that's not on console. I was just thinking in terms of things like uh, more frequent balance changes, uh, PTR. Um, PTR would be good. Yeah. yeah. I think that, pretty much everybody on console agrees that PTR on console would be amazing, yeah. but that might yeah, be hard to implement. I don't know. Have any games no, done a PTR on console? Mm-mm. What's that? The Division. I'm pretty sure has a has a console it's PTR. Oh, okay. does it? Yes, I think so. So PTRs or PTSs on console are definitely possible. I'm pretty sure it's a money issue though, uh, because for actually, for example, the beta client for Overwatch is not the Overwatch client. If you had the beta client for Overwatch, you can still have it on your computer. It just won't work anymore. No, your computer on your when your console just won't work anymore. So all they have to do is make a separate client just like they do for PC. That's definitely possible on console. The difference is that every patch that they do, especially when it comes to Microsoft, Sony, I think, is a little bit better with this, but Microsoft is fucking ridiculous. Um, they got to pay for it. They have to pay for a patch certification. And that's the issue. You're talking about a public test realm 
where they're probably going to be patching it on a regular basis. And every single patch has to go through certification. Yeah, and that's Microsoft does. Yeah, Microsoft and Sony both offer same-day patch certification. So they can do that. But it still costs like, and I, 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 we're talking like like thousands of dollars it costs to put a patch in certification. And that's because um, Microsoft did that because they didn't want developers just putting patches out, putting patches out. And, oh, now we got to fix this. Now we got to fix that. Like They want them to put a patch out that's going to work. And that is it. <laughs> like that's what they want to do. They want to deter them. So it's definitely possible, but it's just like financially it doesn't make sense to put to get people a test server on console. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you want to? I mean, I think we we're 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 good to wrap it. You want to leave us with anything in closing? Uh yeah, just uh you know, thanks for having me on. Uh, I really like the idea of the uh, community episodes. Um, you guys are doing a good job. So, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, being the first. So this is going to be the example of how we do the rest or how not to do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> do it make the cut yeah. or no? Yeah, well, it definitely makes the cut, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if see I if make notes. Or not. Yeah. The, no- the notes <laughs> I have afterwards, like, hmm, can't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks a lot. And um, we're glad to have you as part of the community. Uh, I know you and um, Death and uh, Death Squad have been really like uh, leading up those PS4 um, game nights, so I really do appreciate that. Yeah, we're lot. trying. We need more people. We need more people. Yeah. We get like we'll keep- uh, one or two will show up, and then I I bring my crew, and he brings his crew. So we usually have enough. We had a CS show up last for the last one, so there were there were the two. Uh, CS showed up on Friday, and that was a good time. He's a top 500 player. Um, and we kind of joined his crew and did some crazy custom Genji stuff, and um, mm-hmm. that was a pretty good time, sort of spread the the word of WPR, because they're all nice. um, Omnic Lab dudes. But, yeah, it's okay. good. We need well, we need nice. more folks we'll, in the, we'll yeah, the keep, PS4. Uh, we'll you keep telling the like, uh, what's that, six degrees of... Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they have Bob who does a podcast with Andreas who also is on Optic Lab. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, but all right. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll go ahead and get on to the next one. That's a star performance. All right. Thanks once again to FinFlood for being the first, um, you know, community member on the show. We won't always put these out in order that we record them, but I figured you know, he was the first one to come up. He's going to be the first one out the gate no matter what. But let's keep it moving. Our next community member is Wild Thane, which if you have been listening recently to Watchpoint Radio, we did talk about him and we brought him up because, you know, Overwatch has made some improvements or some changes to their colorblind options. And even though it's a step in the right direction, it's not exactly what the game needs. So Wild Thane put together a great post in the forums. He also made a great video detailing what, you know, what colorblind, what the colorblind community members actually need from Overwatch. And now he comes onto the show to talk about it a bit more in detail. So without further ado, here's Wild Thane. Step right up. Okay, so we are here with Wild Thane. How you doing? Wild I'm doing Thane. really well. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Thanks for coming on to the show and for your segment. I know you want to talk about 
color blindness. We talked about it on WPR. That was already. really cool to hear. <laughs> oh, we're glad we didn't fuck it up too much. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too terrible. It was pretty funny because I actually didn't I didn't know it was coming out on that one at the time. And then a couple of people on uh, the small I play for a, just a small Overwatch team, and uh, we were just sharing some stuff around. And somebody's like, "Oh shit, you were on here," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I did the my content. They were in the Discord, so it was kind of funny." Um, but yeah, I've listened back. And it was really, you guys actually nailed a lot of it. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad because I was really worried about we're probably going to fuck this up. <laughs> Bob was worried about it. Yeah, no, you should have heard Bob talking yeah, about I, this thing. <laughs> I was like, they, they, they said it, and I was like, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this. I mean, I don't know anything about it. And I was like, hold on, I'm going to call my cousin. <laughs> so I called my cousin and tried to get, like, uh, you know, Tell me everything you can tell me about colorblind list in 90 seconds because it was right before the show. <laughs> yeah, so now that you're here, we're hoping that you can, uh, you know, expand a bit. Tell us about the, the, you know, I guess you could talk about, you know, yeah, you want to talk about colorblindness in gaming and then also what you're experiencing in Overwatch. Absolutely. I mean, I've been colorblind my whole life. It's, it's not, I do have one friend. My best friend actually got his colorblindness from an injury, from a seizure he had. However, usually it's genetic. So, um, Ever since, my parents actually realized I was colorblind because I would call the FedEx truck the green truck. <laughs> they were like, this oh, kid man. knows all the moons of Saturn, but can't tell that's the brown truck. There may be a problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because when I got into gaming, um, I didn't, my first game that I played was Call of Duty Modern Warfare was, I really got into that. I hadn't played a lot of video games before then, but that was like the first real multiplayer one, um, that I got into. And uh, I didn't know this, that it had a colorblind setting for a while. And then I just went and it just had a little simple toggle that made allies yellow and enemies blue or something like that. That was really simple for that time. It was just nice. And I was like, oh, OK, every game must have this. <laughs> and, you know, Oof. fast forward a couple of years <laughs> and I'm playing Overwatch. <laughs> and um, I actually didn't know that the enemies had outlines until season seven. Um, wow yeah i i did not have any clue about any of that because that basically to me i'll provide a little context um i have a pretty severe form of a pretty common form of colorblindness which is oftentimes called red green colorblind or it can even be like red blue colorblind but there's certain structures in your eye that allow you to pick up different wavelengths of color uh and for me i have almost none of them to pick up red so red to me is not a vibrant color at all. It's nearly indistinguishable from browns or oranges, greens or so and so on of about the same shade. Um, and basically filter red out of most colors. And that's kind of the world I see. So I can't see purple at all. It just looks blue no matter what. I can't see it. Uh, and most pinks look gray. Um, and so... Well, pink's not that exciting anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Um, it's kind of interesting, though, because like if some super, super vivid pinks, I can be like, okay, I can tell that's pink because there is so much red in it that I see it as it had. I pick up enough of it that it actually looks pink, um, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's kind of weird. Anyways, uh, the problem with Overwatch for people who have that type of colorblindness um, is name well obviously a lot of effects in the game are red that are enemy effects. um 
So it's kind of, it, it's fine for like barriers or things that have very defined outlines. It's hard to pick them up, but it, you can kind of shoehorn your way around it. But it's the little details and the things that are, are just faint stuff that normally you'll pick up super easily for your eyes because red is a vivid color to you. I mean, at least that's what I've been told is that red, red pops on the screen. Um, so something like an enemy, an outline for an enemy McCree that stands out like a traffic cone against any background. Um, to me, if say, uh, you're attacking first point of route 66 and they have a McCree on the cliff face on the high ground on the left side. If I see that McCree with regular colorblind, regular non-colorblind corrected settings, and he's got the red outline and he's standing in a shadow from that you know that's cast by that wall he's almost invisible to me i mm, i can right. I, I can't pick it up it it's really there's no outline there it's it's the same kind of shade as the brown and the shadows and whatever skin he's got on so it might as well be invisible uh same goes for things like uh names over heads for enemies enemy health bars um one of the worst is widowmaker vapor trails for her shots because those are like a fog effect <laughs> so it's even right. more dim than usual <laughs> so that's a nightmare um i i just thought about this so you can't see when anna uh when she antes people uh i can see because the health bar color outline will change i didn't know it was purple until people started calling it out that Ryan is purple because yeah. I thought it changed it to blue. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. But, but when the outline is changed in color, like the dramatic, that's the thing. Colorblind people can tell shifts in color if they're on like say the other side of the color wheel. So if it shifts from like red to blue, there's very obvious change. We can pick that up just fine. But if it shifts from green to orange, might as well be the exact same thing. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so it's it, it's it's tough. So eventually what I finally settled on doing was I used the Tritinopia colorblind filter for the whole game, which I'm sure you've seen the memes on YouTube of people who are like, how bad can I make this game look? And so they turn all their graphic settings down and then they yeah. go turn on the colorblind filter and tab through one of them and then they stop on one that goes, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and they go, this is insane. That's the fil That's the Tritinopia filter. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, at first it was, it was pretty tough to get used to. I thought it was fine because what it kind of does, at least to me, to my eyes, it makes the allies kind of like a dim yellowish, and then it makes the enemy colors uh, a deepish blue, um, which is for me is enough different that it stands out from the background, and I can kind of tell the difference between ally and enemy, and it stands out from what it needs to, uh, usually. <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment. But um, the problem with the filter was that it also changes the colors of all the backgrounds in the game. So right. if you run into something that has a background that color shifts to a purplish or bluish, and then you have an enemy standing in front of it with the now color corrected outline, it's still pretty much just as invisible as it was before. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, things that are like middle of the road color things or stuff that has neutral explosion colors or stuff like that. Like, for example, Faro rockets or um, specifically uh, hacked Sombra health packs, the particle effects, like those extra yellow tingly bits in them and stuff like that ends up with when you turn on that filter ally and friend ally and enemy hacked packs look exactly the same to colorblind people right yeah, so okay. we'll have a sombra on both teams especially in this meta and i'll be playing diva or zarya because i'm an off tank player and i'll be like oh crap awesome i can steal this health pack from that ana and win this fight and get a pick on their healer and i'll leave the fight with like one hp fly to the health pack not get any healing and die <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, that was an enemy pack. <laughs> Didn't know that. Um, so I do that without. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like trying to back in. You're like, what? Why I, am I not on it? And then you realize, oh, it's hacked. Yep. Yeah. Imagine if it was hacked though, and all and any hacked health pack just turned blue with a skull over it. Regardless if it was ally or enemy, it was just that was what the Sombra made it. And then trying to like, it's just a roll of the dice. You don't know who's got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so basically trying to experience what it's because I remember you guys were, you were saying in the last episode saying, oh, you were saying how you had no context for what it's like to play the game with colorblind vision and what that would be like. The best way I can kind of put it is. um. Remove all enemy outlines and make all of the important information, instead of vibrant red, make it like a dull brown that is drab and blends in with all the extra textures of the map. So if it's against like a white background, sure, you'll see it fine. It'll be just okay. And you'll pick it up as different. But if you're fighting on point or with different... Um, like a darker area of the map or anything with a semi-similar color in the background, that dim, dull brown is going to blend in with absolutely anything, and you're not going to be able to see it. Um, right. <laughs> so that's kind of the context for what it's like to play colorblind. Um, and I think you mentioned you wanted to talk about like the, the new corrections and what's wrong with them, because I remember I, I, did, I did some work on it. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's uh, you, you made a pretty lengthy post about it and, and a video and a nice video about it. So you want to kind of dive into that and give a little bit more detail, probably yeah. stuff that you know we missed. <laughs> no, absolutely. You guys did. You guys covered it really well. But um, first, first off, for anyone who somehow doesn't have the context for this, uh, Overwatch recently revamped their colorblind settings. I'm sure you're seeing all the streamers change ally and enemy colors to whatever they feel is fun. Like, I know uh, Barcode, the one female DPS streamer, has changed uh, enemies to pink and allies to purple just to kind of be fun, um, different stuff like that. Uh, but the reason behind that was to create outlines and, and color palettes, I guess I should say, that are friendly to colorblind vision. So a vibrant yellow, no matter what type of colorblindness you have, will stick out from a dark background even though you might not see it as a vibrant yellow or whatever it's and there's a whole, the whole spectrum of colors has been chosen that no matter what type of color vision you have, you can select an ally and an enemy color that 
are easy for your eyes to pick up against different colors, um, which is an amazing move. It's it's absolutely stellar, completely game changing, and simply on the subject of enemy and ally outlines and health bars and and effects like that, it works perfectly. It's amazing. Um, I played for it on the PTR for a while, and I ended up settling on yellow for ally colors and a neon blue white uh, for enemy colors because it was just so bright it stuck out against everything. Um, and I could finally see now, the out. Hmm, what's up? Did you know it was a blue? Like, or could it have uh, been something else? <laughs> they label it. Okay, okay. Yeah, no. The <laughs> I mean, it's a legitimate question. No, no, it is. Uh, for me, when I look at it in game, it's pretty much indistinguishable from white. Um, but that's just probably from the light shade. Uh, but yeah, it was yellow was always my favorite color growing up because it was one of the only ones I could see and get right. <laughs> um that'll do it yeah it was a good time um but yes the so, so it was awesome and my friend who was colorblind has a weird version of yellow and blue colorblindness so none of the actual game filters work for him either uh, even though i'm able to use the tritinopia one he was able to find colors that worked for him uh with like a teal and something else so so that was really cool um the big problem though is that there are some inconsistencies with effects in the game where they're not being recolored uh, and i understand i've spoke to the devs a little bit on this like i spoke, spoke with the community manager um and and it is they're not unaware of this issue um myself and uh i'm sure you've heard of the streamer colorblind um and a couple of other members of the community have all reached out to them on this subject kind of once i did that the research and passed it around to all those figures. They're like, okay, we'll get in touch and, and kind of signal boost it. Um, and, uh, but so I spoke to the devs and they're not unaware of it, but it is a lot of work that they can't do super quickly. But the problem is that effects are not being recolored across the board. So for example, when, I have those settings configured that way and enemy colors are that neon blue and ally colors are that bright yellow. If there's an enemy Reinhardt, he'll have a blue health bar, a blue hero outline and all that stuff. But if he puts up his shield, it's still red. So there are still a lot of effects in the game that are being tied to the default ally and enemy colors for the color scheme you're using. So a lot of effects are still red or blue, regardless of what uh, color palette you've chosen for those ally enemy colors, which might seem like, oh, it's just kind of, you know, it's a pain. You kind of get used to it. You'd know that red's enemy. But the reason I'm switching those colors is so I can see those details. And if Widowmaker Vapor Trails are still a dim, foggy red <laughs> and you can't see them at all, and it extends to any number of other effects in the game, which were all covered in the video I did. Um, it's really confusing. <laughs> so it must, it must not be the same as the Overwatch League, then, because Ryan's shield is the same color as every, like, all other effects and all that, so it must be a little bit different mm -hmm. than what's in the actual Overwatch League. Okay. Yeah, at the very... Yeah, yeah sorry, go on. No, no, you, you can go ahead, you can... No, I just, I just don't, I, yeah, just, <laughs> I just don't understand why they wouldn't recolor. Like, 
Well, from what I understand from talking to the, from what I understand from talking to the devs is in order to do that, they have to go through and completely recolor every single particle effect in the game to each color that you can select for colorblind mode. So that makes me think that they have to do that for each and every Overwatch League team. They that do, came in but and all the new ones that, that mm-hmm. just came in. From what I understand, though, is that was a part of that huge time block that they took for a couple months beforehand where they had their whole art team doing work on making the Overwatch League skins. Oh, nice. During we got that some coloring time. bucks for you guys. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> color time. Basically, yeah, and they just gave those people that he- like a huge coloring book of all of the effects that are possible in the game, and they just recolored them all to match the exact same colors from the team colors. Um, this is why modularity is important, kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and to, from what I understand, it's issues with the code that they can't just... Um, you know, drag switch. and drop yeah. X color into a graviton. You know, you can't just make a graviton purple just by changing a color value to be purple. Um, right. Just like they could with the UI colors. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the Overwatch League client and the client that we have is different. It is not oh, the same Overwatch it's client. It's completely different, yeah. Yeah. Um, because there are just certain considerations they don't have to make but the Overwatch League, like, you know, playing offline is not a consideration they have to make for their netcode on the Overwatch yeah. League. You know? <laughs> so yep. um, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, a, it's, an, it's a really, really important issue, though, because if you have somebody, even if you're not colorblind, uh, because I know a lot of people probably ignore this or ignore threads um, like that because they're like, well, I'm not colorblind, so I'm never going to use those options. But if you have somebody on your team that's that's colorblind that can't see when Diva has her defense matrix up and they're playing Zarya and they keep throwing their graviton into the defense matrix, yep. that's a problem. Yep. <laughs> Especially <laughs> as a Zarya player, it's infuriating. <laughs> yeah, like that is a problem for you. Like, yeah, that's, that's a problem. It's a problem for everybody. So it's something mm-hmm. that definitely needs attention. And I'm still, I'm very surprised. That Blizzard has not dedicated more resources to Overwatch than they have. Like the Overwatch team size, it feels like it's stayed relatively the same. Do we have any kind of numbers on what their dev team is like? Not recently. Okay. The last I heard, it was like sitting somewhere around, and this is just a round number, obviously, mm-hmm. somewhere around 100 people. Give really? I thought it was Jeez. like 200. So maybe I heard that wrong. Yeah, like I don't know. Like that's Hearthstone was, has more than that now. Like I said, it's been a long time since I heard, but it was like you know their their team came from a game that failed in the first place. Yeah, and they just needed to come up with something. But the simple fact that one, they built a brand new engine. Two, mm-hmm. this game had a ton of hype behind it. You know, you would think they bolster the teams more. It's their newest IP, and they'd be able to handle issues like this, especially when it comes to competition, which is probably the biggest reason they should have features like this i mean and even features that aren't necessarily targeted at colorblind players oh yeah help colorblind players like forcing team skins mm-hmm. so like i mean there's so many games that have done that in the past that if somebody is on the opposite side of you you can force what skin is being worn what color it shows up as or just do know, a halo like it's red versus blue <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and then it makes it very simple. Yeah. Like those games are really def- are really distilled down to their competitive, you know, because the mm-hmm. more competitive a game gets, 
the more gets shaved off of it. It yeah. gets rid of the cheese. Exactly. You know? And <clears throat> Overwatch is in a unique spot. And I, you know, I talk, I bring it up all the time that they, I understand why they have their middle of the road development and design and balance philosophy. I get why they have that, yeah, because of how that how the, you know Blizzard likes to um, focus on fun versus competition. Mm-hmm. But if it's competitive, that's fine too, you know. But with you know Overwatch being, um, you know, with them really trying to push esports to the next level and you know make it as competitive as possible, there are some there are some features that. They need to really get into the game. Like, I mean, oh my goodness! And also, you know, if you're yeah, talking about it from from perspective of not even just for colorblind correction, just if you're talking about this as growing the game competitively, uh, I've played in a handful of different leagues or or on a couple of different teams, and a lot of times they'd stream games and broadcast games, and like to to have it in the client that you can set team colors and it suddenly changes yeah. effects to be all white or all blue or. That's so huge. It grows your audience. It makes it a better spectator experience for tier two, tier three, and below play. You can then build that. And and all of that would feed back into colorblind correction. You'd- Absolutely. So I know maybe we'll see a bit more progress in that aspect because maybe they'll start taking a, a bit more seriously as things kind of continue, right? Because mm-hmm. year two with the Overwatch League coming up, the spectacle is – the big spectacle of it it's kind of gone, right? Mm-hmm. We had year one. We saw how that went. And now most of the people who are going to watch the Overwatch League are people who are into the Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, which is why I I try not to get – I try not to expect big things from, from developers. I try not to. Mm-hmm. But Blizzard's got to talk about something big coming up at BlizzCon. Oh, gosh. You know? If it's just and, the announcements <laughs> of the official names of the team and some new hero – <laughs> yeah, we talked about this I'm last calling show. About, I'm calling it right now. It's gonna be they're gonna announce the names and logos and jerseys and possibly rosters of all the new regional teams, and they're gonna announce a new hero. And I think that's gonna be it. And a cinematic and a map. Yes, cinematic. And <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna say a map. I think I'm gonna say maybe a map. They just came out. With really? Busan. I'm gonna say maybe a map. <laughs> They've always done it though, because like, even the first year they came up with the Eichenwald, and oh, then right you're after right, that, you're right. Yeah, yeah, they did my, they did Eichenwald. So yes, it's probably a map then. Yeah, yeah. So and you were uh, you were right by the way, John. It is a team of about a hundred people, according to Jeff Kaplan. Jeez, a team of about still? people. Yep. Yeah. Hearthstone. Uh, well, <laughs> this post was last year. So. Oh, okay. So I was just gonna say yeah. Hearthstone has more than that now. <laughs> Yeah, like they could have expanded. Blizzard's a weird company. Blizzard is huge. Like I know that I'm. Well, I'm pretty sure Blizzard has over four thousand people working for it. That's a large organization. Wouldn't surprise me. That's not including Activision. You know, Activision became the largest publisher because of the merger with Blizzard. With Blizzard, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm just surprised they're not dedicating more resources to it. I'm like, I know you guys aren't doing too much with StarCraft. So I'm just kind of uh, let's just few uh, people <laughs> over there. Throw some people over there. <laughs> let's see. So, you guys at StarCraft, you guys have worked with colors before. Can we give you this yeah. coloring book and just have yep. you copy and paste this this hex code? <laughs> I mean, actually, to be honest with you, in terms of competitive gameplay. The game that they probably have that has the most experience is that is is at StarCraft. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I I can sit and argue about how they balance Terran a bit, but I'm gonna let it go. But still, for the most part, it's still distilled. <laughs> we'll be here for three hours, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It would be it's distilled a bit toward competitive, but but uh, yeah, I mean, um, you have anything else you want to bring up? 
basically just wanted to talk a little further about about you know that well I wanted to see if you guys had any more questions for me cuz I remember you guys had a lot of open-ended stuff that you said about asking about what it's like in the colorblind community or you know gaming with colorblindness and just trying to play in that sense in general or just any other stuff I was I was curious if you guys had any questions I do have one what's the best control what's the best game what game had the best colorblind controls hmm let me think about that. Part of me wants to say Call of Duty because there was very few things to change. All they did was make change it from red and green for ally and enemy to blue and yellow. And there weren't any outlines. There weren't anything. It was just a difference of map triangle colors and kill feed stuff. So that was, it just made it simple. But I think as far as something that was complex that they ended up doing a really good job of was actually Hearthstone. Um they used to have different things where the outlines of the cards would indicate certain effects or certain keywords that were active at the time um, with what the card was able to do. And it was oftentimes really confusing. But what they've actually done is they have since changed it to be um, an animation change. So, for example, whereas a card would have normally been outlined in orange instead of green to indicate something, now instead of it's either outlined in green or it's outlined in orange with flame effects around it. So you can tell, or instead of it being placed with something and just being blue or purple, it'll be blue with lightning bolts linking to the thing it's going to chain to. And, and so they actually shoehorned It was really good. It's not so much a, a recolor that made it super nice, but Hearthstone did a really good job of finding other ways to tell different things apart. So that was really helpful. Because, yeah, they don't, to my knowledge, there's no colorblind option in the options. They just did that in the actual game. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, they, they they heard a lot of uh, outcry from the community and the colorblind community saying, hey, this is an actual problem uh, affecting the game. Like, there's no reason that I should have to be guessing about a color in a card game just to see what your, your computer says I'm going to be able to do. Can we find a way to address this? And so Hearthstone actually changed a lot of things a couple months ago to uh, to change it to animation changes. Um, but as far as it's just recolors, um, I'm going to say that Overwatch is with an asterisk. <laughs> if they can, <laughs> because watching Overwatch League was one of the best things for the colorblind community because for f it was finally, for me at least, it was an Overwatch competitive spectator experience that I could fully appreciate and follow. I was able to tell which team was which a lot easier. I was able to tell effects differently and everything was so clearly defined that it was an ease to watch. It was a very enjoyable experience to watch Overwatch League and and having experienced the the level of correction that they have changed in this game and on the features that just went live, it is the best colorblind correction I have seen in a game yet. Because it's so versatile, you can choose what colors you set ally and enemy as depending on your colorblindness. The colors are vivid. It recolors consistently for the for the things that it does recolor. And I think all they need to do is just fix the inconsistencies and make it recolor everything for the team. And they have nailed the best colorblind correction. 
Nice. Well, they have a Blizzard has a really good chance here to actually nail a precedent for that then. And uh, that'd be really good oh, for them. Absolutely. Because previously in every game, it has simply been a matter of turn on, toggle, colorblind correction, on or off. And it was always geared towards red, green colorblind. And if you're like my friend Brendan, who has a weird blue, yellow colorblindness from a seizure when he was younger, that affected his optic nerve and, and his ability to see color. He, none of those are really very good for him. And so he has to just struggle either way. And so hearing him get into the Overwatch client on PTR and he was just laughing so loud it was peaking the mic and going, guys, it works. It works. I can make it work. I can tell them apart now. It's just, that's just so cool. The end goal is just to re, we're waiting on them now to recolor the effects in the game like Reinhardt barriers and uh, Barra rockets and widow trails and everything like that to match the color you've chosen uh, so that everything's identified with each team. Because right now there's some huge confusion. Like, for example, if you have the enemy color like I do right now set to a neon blue, but ally barriers are still being made blue, there's this huge uh, confusion in your head where you have to so you have to associate blue of a certain type of ability with ally and blue of everything else with enemy. <laughs> and so it just right, slows yeah. your, re it slows your reaction time. Like it's not that it's impossible. You just have to take an extra second to think about it. And oftentimes in overwatch, it, it moves so fast that you don't have time for that. Um, so it's just an inherent handicap right now. Um, but once they fix it, they, it should create an experience that feels a lot like you're playing during an overwatch league game. Um, but on the post that I made, there was a couple of comments that I wanted to bring up with you guys um, from people raising an interesting point uh, where they're saying if this colorblind correction does go into into effect and this is how the game is able to be made or this is how the game is, uh, I don't want all effects to be recolored. Like, for example, I don't want Mercy, Beam of Damage, Boost, and Healing to be the same color. I don't want Ana, Grenades of Anti and Boosted Heal to be the same color. And, and I just wanted to bring that up to you, like from the non-colorblind perspective on the game, would you want any things to just not be touched and not be corrected? Or no. do you think it wouldn't impact your game too much? It wouldn't impact it almost at all. They, that's what, that's the, they made a bunch of different changes to animations uh, going into the Overwatch League with the new color thing. So Mercy's healing beam is a wavy line, two of them side by side going like this then her her damage is a jagged like lightning line and it's just one big fat line so it's really easy to tell which which one's on without any color uh, and so as long as other things don't creep in that don't look that you know look the same but do different the only thing i can think of that's pretty bad is the moira ball and i always just have to remind myself if it's lighter it's healing. If it's darker, it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's damage. But that's the only thing I could really think of. Unless you guys could think of something else. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Mercy is like you're not gonna not shoot at her if she's giving somebody a damage boost versus if she's giving a you know a healing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 not going to. Um, make a big difference so no i think i think 
I think giving the community or players individually an options to change their colors is or really work with their with their color settings. I, I really don't see a negative to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not, I don't I don't really see an issue here. I also don't I don't think there's too much to the argument that I have heard. It's like, "Oh, well, if you can change all the effects to be different colors of whatever you want, uh, it's an unfair advantage." And I'm just kind of sitting here and to me at least my first thought on that was I don't think it's an unfair advantage to make your information just as visible as it is to anyone else who, to them, red is a vibrant, standout traffic well, cone color. I'll tell you one thing. Like, I uh, I change my, uh, my color of my reticule about once a month because it starts to blend in with, every, with everything else, and I start losing my cursor. Mm-hmm. I change it to... Different color. I like rotate between four of them, and I change it, and then boom, I can see it really good forever. So I'll be doing the same thing if this is allowed. I'll be doing the same thing and just changing the enemy color to something crazy, pink and red and green, like neon green, just to change it up so that I just notice, you know, quicker. Because mm-hmm. the red does, yeah, the red starts to like blend in when you see it so much like definitely people not as much as the reticle but i'd I'd see the same benefit as changing it often yeah i mean i um i changed my my uh my crosshair uh actually no my my crosshair hasn't changed i should say for a long time it's it's pretty it's a pretty dark purple um and if you if people for people who say that oh well if you can change your colors it'll give some people unfair advantage well, it's not an unfair advantage because you can change your colors too. It's only it's only an unfair advantage if they could do something that you couldn't, but you can. <laughs> you know, right now it's an unfair advantage because they can see all the colors and we can't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so we'll go ahead and and start wrapping up here. You want to say anything in closing? Not really. Just thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy uh, being here. Um, yeah, it's it's always nice to to get people talking about an issue that you put a lot of work and research into. It's really it's gotcha. really satisfying to hear. So, okay, yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on and educating us about the, about yeah. the issue. Hopefully, Blizzard takes action on it. Sounds like they're paying attention. So, yeah, it was, and and, and you know, it was it was nice. I I did. Uh, it wasn't all just me. I did have a lot of help from uh, a couple members on my on my team. Um, they helped me do a lot of the testing because it's really tough to get ally and enemy effects interacting with each other when you're doing it just yourself. Right. Um. So that was really nice. Um. But uh. Yeah, it, it's uh, hopefully we can get more conversation around it and and get enough people talking that Blizzard uh, is able to devote the amount of people and effort that they can really crank it out and and get it fixed. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, then uh, with that, we'll wrap up here and move on to the next one. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, that'll do fine. All right. And once again, thank you very much, Wild Thane, for coming onto the show and you know helping us understand what the colorblind community needs and you know explain it a bit better than we did on the show uh you know what kind of challenges the colorblind community faces and with that that's going to end this community episode we are going to try to keep community member episodes you know to about an hour or so if we can so only two community segments this episode the next episode will also have two community segments and then you know from there we'll also see where 
we can go, you know, how many segments we can fit into one episode. Um, like I said, we're, we're really hoping to keep this going. So if you have a topic that you want to talk about, reach out to us, let us know, and don't worry about your microphone. We can see if we can get that worked out. Come to us, let us know you want to talk about something, and whether you need to record from your phone or your mic isn't that great, I'm sure that's something that we can get worked out, but you know, definitely don't be afraid to reach out. You know, Take a chance. We would love to talk to you guys. So you, know, you can reach out to us uh, via Twitter, which our Twitter is uh, twitter.com slash watchpointradio, or you can contact me directly on Twitter, which is uh, twitter.com slash churchofjaw. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Discord, you know, come to uh, discord.me slash mash those buttons and, you know, reach out to us there or, you know, send an email to the website, which is wprmashthosebuttons.com. There's so many ways to get a hold of us. And like I said, we would love to have you on the show to talk about whatever you want to talk about. That's what these community episodes are for. And I want to keep that going. So with that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I already gave you our uh, social media info here, and I can't stress enough how much we'd love to have you guys in the Discord. We keep getting new members in the Discord, and it's becoming a, a, a better place. You know, it was, it was a great place before, and it just keeps getting better and better with each new community member that makes it into the Discord. Uh, if you do enjoy the show and you want to help us out, you can share the show with others, and you can also rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you want to take your support a little bit further, you can actually become a patron, uh, which is uh, patreon.com slash watchpointradio. You can buy a Watchpoint Radio merch from our Teespring store, which is teespring.com slash stores slash smash those buttons. And you can also become a uh, subscriber on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash smash those buttons. And like I said earlier, I'd be surprised if you didn't listen to Watchpoint Radio and you're listening to this. But if you don't listen to Watchpoint Radio, you can find Watchpoint Radio on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, every Wednesday, uh, we try to re- we try to launch every Wednesday. We've been pretty consistent with that. So, um, you know, we love to have you listen to that show as well. And we do live stream the show every Tuesday night around 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to come join the audience there, that would be great. We'd love to have you there. And uh, I also encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear about our other shows on Mash Those Buttons. And with that, I think we are done for now. Episode 2 should be be coming up shortly. And we hope you guys enjoyed this show and the next one. See you. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to subscribe to one of our shows, you can find us on multiple podcast platforms across iOS and Android. Just search for the show on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and hit subscribe. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast platform of choice, just go right to the MashThoseButtons.com website, grab the RSS feed, and put it into your podcatcher of choice. If you want to check out some other podcasts you may enjoy, you should check out mashosbuttons.com slash shows. For World of Warcraft fans, we have two podcasts. 
WoW Talk, which is our news and community podcast, and The Torn and the Goblin, which is our lore and story podcast. If you enjoy Overwatch, make sure to check out Watchpoint Radio to keep up with the latest on Overwatch and its community. If you enjoy fighting games, make sure you check out Double Tap for the latest in the FGC. If you're a fan of The Division or looking forward to The Division 2, make sure you check out Sit Rep Radio. If you want to keep up with the latest that mash those buttons, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mtbsite, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, and youtube.com slash mashthosebuttons. We'd also like to have you join our Discord community. So just go to discord.me slash mashthosebuttons and join us for a chat. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.